This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Hello and welcome to this episode. I am so excited to welcome one of my favorite accounts on Instagram, Dr. Becky at Good Inside. Dr. Becky is a clinical psychologist with a PhD in clinical psychology who um, specializes in parenting, anxiety, and resilience. And we're talking about why kids with early success can be at risk for low self-confidence. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk about this kind of really nuanced and interesting and important topic with you. Yes, I think it's so important because it's also something that I also want to balance for my own son. Um, But tell me a little bit more about yourself and why you started Dr. Becky at Good Inside. So yes, I'm a clinical psychologist, as you mentioned. Um, I'm also a mom of three. So my kids are nine, six, and almost four. And there's really not much I find as interesting as people and kids and families and family systems and intergenerational patterns. I'm just very curious, I guess, about why we kind of develop into the people we develop into, what we need, what we end up getting, and kind of how our bodies adapt accordingly. And so I guess the larger story really is that, that I just have always found people to be endlessly interesting And then about two years ago, I started working on a product in the sleep space with a friend of mine. I was talking to her about this sleep product I had kind of MacGyvered for my daughter, who had always had some sleep struggles. And she's an entrepreneur. And she kind of said, we should make this. We should make this into a product. And kind of felt exciting to do something a little different than my private practice. And so we started working on it. And while we were doing that, I just wrote down all of these thoughts I had about parenting, mostly because my younger sister told me if I was ever going to release a product, I better have an Instagram account. And so I better start writing down some thoughts. And I ended up kind of putting the product on hold. I realized it was really more the ideas behind the product than the product itself that was interesting. And then one day I said, wow, I have pages and pages and pages of thoughts on my computer I guess I'll put it out on Instagram. And I really didn't have a specific goal. I wasn't putting out this product anymore. My private practice was full. I just said, well, this could be a way to keep thinking about people and connect with other parents, other adults. And it kind of all took off from there. 
Well, I'm so excited you turned those thoughts on your computer into your Instagram account because, again, I'm going to be attaching your Instagram account on my show notes, but it's just such a great way to talk about interactions with human beings and especially interactions with our children. I love the way you break it all down and just an easy to understand way. It's just something that resonates so well with me. So thank you. I'm happy that all happened and that you're here today to share your expertise. Me too. I get to connect with amazing people like you. So it's yeah, this is I love it. And and you started your podcast recently, right? In the last few months. Yes, Um, I started my podcast. I think we're now um, we've done twelve episodes. So super exciting! It's totally community driven. Most of the episodes actually are real questions that real parents leave on my voicemail kind of phone number and they leave a voicemail and we kind of listen to them and realize there's always themes like, oh, that reminds us of this one and this one. And then we just put them together in an episode. Oh, I love it. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we're talking about that, again, very nuanced topic of how kids with early success can be at risk for low self-confidence. So I think all of us want our children to feel proud of success and we want them to feel confident, but how can we balance that confidence with also, you know, not affecting their self-esteem and self-confidence. Yeah. So I think it's really tricky, right? In that we often are fed the idea or picked up somewhere along the way that confidence means feeling good about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then I think related to that, we think, well, the more accomplishments I have, the better I'm going to feel about myself, right? And so I think, at least in my practice and my experience, parents tend to worry more in terms of confidence about their kids who kind of struggle early on, right? It's the kid in the family where they watch their big sister be the spelling bee champion or the math champion, or they watch their brother, you know, thrive in, you know, whatever he's doing. And we worry about the sibling who's struggling. And certainly, don't get me wrong, it's hard to have to be that kid in the family when you have a spectacular kind of high achieving child Mm -hmm. uh, next to you. And also, this is true it's really, really hard to actually form true, lasting, internal self-esteem when you are constantly, in some ways, overwhelmed by external validation and praise and accomplishments. Because what you end up learning is, oh, all of these things outside of me, being labeled so smart, being Mm -hmm. a reader, being a star soccer player, being the one in the art class who everyone says, oh, she's the best student here. Those end up feeding me. They kind of feed my soul. And if we all pause, we're like, okay, well, what's wrong with that? And there's nothing wrong with any of this. But when our kids are younger, they're really learning how to get good feelings about themselves. And we can think about this in many ways, but one way I think of it is do my kids learn that good feelings live within them and they can kind of generate them? Or do my kids learn that good feelings live outside of them and I need to go get them and I need to get them and I need to get more of them and more of them. And kids who kind of quote, get good feelings from their accomplishments and early successes, they often wire their body to only feel proud and confident when they're in that moment of success. And in some ways, they become addicted to those moments and don't have the space and the opportunity to really notice the good feelings about themselves that live inside, not outside them. I think this is so important. And 
I think, you know, one of my questions would be, what would be an example of how we can have them focus on those emotions that come from within rather than looking at them externally or looking for them externally? Right. So let's take an example of a child who is a basketball player. Okay. So you just came, let's say it's your daughter's basketball game. So you're watching your daughter's basketball game and she's a really great basketball player. She scores a lot of points, right? So a couple things, let's say you see her after the game and what we say and what we ask about really tells our kids what we really value and care about. And our kids, when they're younger, are really absorbing family values and take them in and it often becomes their own. So I'll go over a few examples. I say to my daughter, you scored the most points on your team. You are the star player on your kid team. Wow, you scored 20 points. Last game, you only scored 18. That's a new high. Now, let me be clear. We're not messing up our kids when we say these things. If a parent's listening saying, oh, I, I guess I do that. Oh, no. Pause. Pause mm-hmm. the spiral. I hear the spiral myself. I can do that to myself. We're not talking here about one comment here or there or a few. We're really all just trying to rethink these general ways of interacting with our kids. So if you're here listening to this podcast, you're ahead of the game. So what are we saying to our kids when we say, you scored 20 points last time you only scored 18. What an amazing game. We're really focusing on an outcome. We're really Mm -hmm. focusing in some ways on a product. We're focusing on something somewhat outside of our child. Meaning, I think we all know, let's say even in any sport, there are days that the balls just don't fall in the net. You know, they just fall in. Sometimes they don't on others. And what my child's learning is, oh, everyone gets excited. And my good games are defined based on when I score the most points. Mm -hmm. This actually does a couple things to a kid besides in the moment, probably feeling pretty good. It also in the moment feels like a lot of pressure, right? It also teaches a child that a number which is always outside of us, it's some evaluation, is the thing people care more about than a whole host of things, let's say my parents could have asked me, that are somewhat more internal. So what might those things be? It might be, what do you think of your game today? Tell me about it. Which I'm just asking my child to kind of walk through the game instead of adding my evaluation. Or Mm -hmm. maybe I know my daughter, ooh, she tends not to have great sportsmanship, When her teammate misses a shot, if I end up saying to my child, you know what I noticed? I noticed your teammate missed a shot. I actually really saw you kind of take a deep breath and say something kind to her. That was so awesome to Mm -hmm. notice. Now, let's not make a binary here. It's not like I can only say those things and I can never say anything about the points my daughter scored. We're just trying to think about this overall. And the more I focus on the things within my child's control, the more I focus on things inside of her, the more I focus on a process and less on a product, I'm actually building my child's confidence because I'm seeing a person instead of an outcome. I see a person who's working on being a good sport. I see a person who's a good teammate. Maybe I even say, hey, I noticed you tried that new move you were working on. That was really cool to notice. Or I saw you did a bunch of layups and I know you've been working on getting you know, closer to the basket and not taking so many shots on the outside. I'm still talking about what happened, but I'm talking about something that's in my child's control instead of focusing on some type of 100% external accomplishment. 
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training, but there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more. Oh, this is music to my ears. As you're talking, I see myself as that basketball player growing up, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, always with parents who, you know, we're recording this episode so that parents can learn. And I think my parents didn't know how to do praise. Um, And so, yes, as I grew up, I started focusing on the numbers, focusing on grades, focusing on outcomes versus the effort and the, you know, what I thought I put into it. And it also leads to anxiety, you know, as um, high achieving individuals who did sports and went through medical school and all that jazz, it makes you feel like a little bit like, huh, I'm always being evaluated for my outcome. And so I think it's so important that we're talking about this. And like you said, it can be hard to hear. And you're kind of sometimes we can tiptoe a little bit and say, oh, but I say this and I say that. I think, like you said, it's just looking at the big picture on how we show up to our children. I think that's right. And I think I I always tell parents in my practice, you know, change 
change is hard and change is best when we do a small thing at a time. So even anybody listening to this, you don't have to throw out everything you've ever said, Mm -hmm. but it could just be an interesting experiment to say, okay, this is interesting. I do have a child who often brings home a grade on a test, or I do have a child who often says to me, oh, did you see I won my chess match again? Or did you see I built a tall tower? It could be anything. And just what would it be like? Instead of saying to my child something like, wow, you got all A's. If I said, what was the trickiest part of your math test today? Huh, tell me more about that. Or what was the most interesting thing you learned in history class? And my child says, well, do you hear I got an A on my paper? And if you end up saying back, oh, I did hear. Sounds like you're proud of that. How did you think to write it on that topic? You could have chosen anything. Tell me how you thought to write it that way. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm expressing more interest in my child as a human being, as someone who has thoughts and originality and creativity. And I'm focusing a little less on this kind of very concrete, very reductive kind of grade. And confidence for kids is built when kids feel like all of me is interesting. I am a person, is of interest. I am of value. Not only the things I produce, but the me walking around. And the way we ask questions is really what gives kids that internal confidence. So just try it once, right? And here's Mm -hmm. kind of a menu of options almost. Like, I love the question, how did you think to? How did you think to write your essay about that? Or for a small kid, how did you think to draw that? So interesting. How did you think to build a hospital with the blocks? Mm -hmm. How did you think of that idea instead of, oh my goodness, that's the tallest thing you've ever built, or oh, that's so beautiful, or I'm so proud of you for that grade. This episode is brought to you by the New Mom Survival Guide, an online digital course and community created by me, Dr. Mona Amin. Using my experience as a board-certified pediatrician and mom, I created this course to guide you through your first year of motherhood. From the foundations of parenting, newborn feeding, sleep in the first year, introduction of solids, and understanding child behavior and development, I will be your guide and support you throughout this incredible journey. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and be one of the first to get your hands on this incredible resource created to support and empower you as you embark on the joyous path of parenthood. And if a child is more like pre-verbal, like let's say like toddler years, um, you know, that they may not be able to respond back yet. Is there things that we can approach and say, like, you know, in terms of how we would approach the effort they put into building something, same concept? Yeah, I would say the language of noticing Mm -hmm. is a great way where you're basically saying to your child, I am paying attention. Like I see you as a real important human being, yet I'm not adding my own value or my own judgment. So you can notice so many things. I notice you're using a lot of red blocks. Now, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to say, tell me more. Someone listening might be saying, my kid doesn't even speak, right? But I'm also a big fan of asking questions to kids. They don't answer because actually, That's what leads to kids asking themselves questions. The things we say become how our kids talk to themselves. So if we Mm -hmm. say things to them like, I see you're using all red blocks, tell me more. That leads to a child a year later thinking to themselves something like, I'm using red blocks. Like, what more could I do? I wonder what other ideas I have, right? They're now talking that way to themselves. So you can notice what they're doing. 
You can notice how hard they're working. That block tower fell down and you're trying again. I really noticed that, right? Or I notice how hard you're working. I've never seen you use yellow and red and blue in the same drawing. Huh, right? So I think a lot of these things feel incomplete to parents. Like I know in my practice, a parent would say, okay, but then what? But then what do I do to really build their confidence? And we laugh and I'll say, no, that's like, that's the thing. You, you just did it. That, that is it. We want to leave an opening for our kid, right? That's really what allows them to keep going, to keep creating, to build yeah. something again. We don't want to take that away from our kids by kind of adding some final judgment. You know, I think I've said this somewhere else, but I'll say here because I think it's really powerful that when we say things to our kids like, good job, or this is amazing, right? I always think about if I redecorated my apartment and I had a friend come in and she just said, this is amazing, great job, right? I don't know what I'd say back. I'd probably say, thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I had a friend who came in and said, how did you think to paint your walls blue in your bathroom? I would have a whole story to tell her. Yeah. But even if she never said good job or that's amazing, I'd feel so much better about myself having been asked the question than having been a recipient of her even positive judgment. I love when you use examples um, relating to adults too, because I feel like when you teach parenting stuff, it's so useful because how would it make you feel is totally valid, right? I mean, telling people or telling a friend about how they feel about something they did versus the outcome, I would feel great too. And so would our children. So I love that example so much. Exactly. And, And going back to kind of this initial nuance of like, so there are these kids who when younger have a ton of external accomplishments, right? I don't, and I think we think these are the kids we don't have to worry about, right? And I know this happens in my family. For example, my first of three, he was a very early reader, right? And I'll be totally honest. I feel like I had very little to do with it. I wasn't like teaching him letters. I wasn't putting him in reading classes. It just is something he picked up naturally, right? Mm -hmm. And this actually, I know this sounds funny, but I wouldn't go so far to say it worries me. But one of the things I know in adulthood is that life is hard, right? Life is hard for every adult I know. There are seasons where it's really hard. There's things that happen where they don't go the way you want, where you have to recover, where you have to work harder and longer than you wanted to. And sometimes the kids who are the least prepared for that are the kids who have a ton of early success. And then if those kids have layered on to them all the praise and focus of, oh, have you seen my son? He's such an early reader. Oh, you're so smart. You're such a yeah. smart kid. Now this kid is 18 or 28 or 38 and struggling with something, which inevitably he will because everyone does. And not only is it hard, but there's a true identity crisis. It's almost like, I'm not supposed to be this person. I'm the person who gets everything done easily. And so those kids, you have to work extra hard to see the person under the success. That is so important for their long-term resilience and kind of even mental stability. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're you're pointing out things that I think are mistakes that maybe parents don't know that they're doing, like, you know, like when you're talking about that and you're saying the example, are there any other mistakes, big or small, maybe even something that parents know they're doing or don't know they're doing, like they're just doing it subconsciously or whatever that can lead to low self-confidence for our children? Um, yeah, I guess the one, and I, and I know you well enough that I think neither of us would really even use this word mistake to me always is like, it's, it's kind of like this word that I always react to because I feel like it's not even a real thing. Like I truly, 
all of us are doing the best we can with the information we have available at the time and the resources we have. And so it's always easy to look back and be like, oh, that was a mistake. But if we're always doing the best we can, it's just, I guess it's something we've learned from, right? So where yeah. do I think parents could expand and learn from? I think also we want to be really mindful of not linking our kids' accomplishments to our own feelings. So I think it's easy to say, oh, this makes me so happy or makes me so happy when you're doing this or that. And yet also that's a time where we're seeing our child for their impact on us, not Mm -hmm. in their own right. So that's another thing I often kind of encourage parents to steer clear from that If you have a child who, you know, whatever it is, they have a million goals in their soccer game or they're writing and kind of reading and doing math or whatever academically they are in a really superstar way, enjoy that for sure. But enjoy that separately from your child, right? We don't want to make our kids feel like their accomplishments are there to kind of make us happy. This doesn't mean we can't join in their excitement, but I would make sure the excitement is our kids. So here's an example, I guess, of the difference because it can feel confusing that let's say a child comes to us after their soccer game and they have just kind of had a really great game or they scored a lot of goals, right? I see the difference is not saying to our kids, oh, you had an amazing game. I'm so glad I was here to see it, right? Versus saying, oh, it's so fun to watch you play, right? Or if a child says to us, did you see I scored so many goals? Of course, we have to be natural. I would imagine saying, I did see that. That seems to make you feel really good. Tell me more about it, right? And then again, it's really focused on my kid. Instead of my child coming over to me, be saying, you scored three goals. And essentially then maybe talking to the other parents or calling someone on my own in the car, bragging about my kid's three goals. And then my child in some ways feels not seen because the only thing that really matters was this accomplishment. Yeah. And it leads to people pleasing tendencies um, as we get older. (laughs) It does to people pleasing tendencies. And then, right, we kind of lose who we are for what we do. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Becky, I love talking about this stuff with you. Um, You know, you've already given us so many amazing pearls and amazing ways to approach this. What would be your final message for everyone listening today? So my final message for anyone listening is if you're a parent who's listening to a parenting related podcast, you're amazing because you're saying I'm willing to be reflective, to think about things I'm doing and consider new ideas and experiment with new behaviors and reparent myself and change intergenerational patterns. So more than any of the ideas and strategies in this podcast, I would actually tell yourself just to take a deep breath place your hand on your heart and tell yourself, I am pretty amazing for doing all of those things. And then almost just as a bonus, if there's one thing from here that resonated, take it. If there's two, like hold it. You can always re-listen to the podcast. Take one and maybe say to yourself, I am going to just notice how my child experiences their own accomplishments. Maybe I'm not going to add anything. I'm just going to notice. Or, oh, I do get really excited about my child's accomplishments. I think it's because I felt I wasn't that accomplished as a kid. And Mm -hmm. just reflect on that or ask more questions such as, how did you think to do that? Or tell me more about that. Or what did you really like about that? Instead of starting with my own kind of judgment of the situation. But take one thing, remind yourself you're doing a great job. It's never too late to make changes and 
give yourself kind of a big hug, a pat on the back. This parenting thing is really, really hard. And I'm so glad you're kind of in this community with me and Mona learning and reflecting and trying new things. Here, here. I love that final message. You are simply amazing. Tell us again where everyone can find you. So a couple ways. Um, my Instagram account is Dr. Becky at Good Inside all together. And then I'm super excited about my website that kind of holds everything else. So goodinside.com is the hub for all things Good Inside, including learning.goodinside.com can be found there, which is all my workshops and courses. My podcast is Good Inside with Dr. Becky. You can find it on any podcast player or you can find it at goodinside.com. I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. I have to stop calling it a newsletter. It's really not a newsletter. It's just weekly strategies and scripts delivered to your email. So right to your inbox, you can get a ton of easy to implement ideas and you can find all of that at goodinside.com. Thank you. And I will be adding all of this to my show notes for everyone. Please again, follow her at Dr. Becky at Good Inside. Like she mentioned so many great videos, IGTVs. I mean, the resources never end and her workshops and everything else she provides, as you can tell already are phenomenal. So thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.